Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. On Tuesday, Hockey Canada's CEO, Scott Smith, and its entire board of directors resigned. This comes after widespread criticism of the organization's culture towards sexual assault. But will these resignations actually change anything? This is not simply a Hockey Canada problem. I mean, Hockey Canada kind of personifies the problem, but there is a almost a toxic masculinity problem inside that's certainly junior hockey in Canada. Globe columnist Gary Mason has been writing about this story for months. I spoke to him on Tuesday. This is The Decibel. Gary, thank you so much for speaking with me today. My pleasure. So there's there's pretty big news uh, that came out on Tuesday from Hockey Canada. The CEO, Scott Smith, and the entire board um, have resigned. How significant is this? I think it's massive. I mean, it's not very often that you see an entire board resign from an organization as big as Hockey Canada. Uh, Scott Smith's departure probably isn't uh, a surprise. Uh, He was on his way out. It was just a matter of when. But the fact that the entire board resigned along with him was a bit of a surprise. We expected some resignations, but I think that the departure of the entire board is a surprise. But it's also it's very welcome because I think the entire board had to go because I think they all shared the same philosophy, uh, beliefs, uh, attitude towards the scandal that has uh, enveloped this organization. Hmm. How big is this board? And do we know who makes up this Hockey Canada board? Well, the board is about, I think it's eight members, uh, including the chair. Um, one thing that struck me about the Hockey Canada board was it's very, very male dominated. It's not very diverse, um, sort of ethnically diverse by any means. This, of course, follows the news of Andrea Skinner, who was Hockey Canada's interim chair. She she resigned on Saturday, and there have been lots of calls for CEO Scott Smith and the board to step down. Why was this so important for people to to see this this board and the, the leadership at this organization uh, step down? Well, because of the sort of terrible uh, secrets that this board kind of knew about and sort of... Uh, oversaw for, for so long. And of course, I'm talking about these secret slush funds, if, if for lack of a better term, that existed, you know, to pay off sexual assault claims made by, you know, women over the years, among other things. We initially learned that there was one main fund that uh, had a, a, a store of cash in it that was being used to uh, pay off, in some cases, uh, the alleged victims of sexual assault by hockey players in Canada. And then more recently, the Globe and Mail, which has been responsible for a lot of the the most important revelations in this story, discovered that there was a second fund that was also being used with about $7.8 million in it, I believe, that was also being used for for these purposes. Um, I, I think Canadians, fair minded Canadians were absolutely appalled that these sorts of funds existed inside this organization and that these funds were being funded by the registration fees of little kids and little girls across the country. I mean, that, that is, you know, when you think about it, I mean, it doesn't take much to think about how 
horrific that is that you're using the little the, the registration fees for these little kids that go play hockey to pay off in part alleged sexual assault claims made by you know by women over the years uh, and of course this this whole thing blew up um, when it came to light that they had uh, they had paid a woman who had made a 3.5 million dollar claim uh, in part against members of the Canadian junior hockey team uh, over an alleged uh, group sexual assault in, in 2018 after a Hockey Canada function. And then when we found out that Hockey Canada had made this payment to this to this woman, um, that sort of opened this incredible Pandora's box of information about, well, wait a minute, where did this money come from? A fund? What What is this fund for? And then that's when we really started to peel back the layers of the onion of this organization and, and we discovered, you know, some pretty terrible things, some very, very upsetting things. People that not only upset parents, rightfully, but, but upset sponsors and hockey organizations across mm-hmm. the country that, that were appalled that this was this kind of activity was taking place. Hmm. I, I'm glad you brought up the sponsors because this has been some of the, the major news that's been happening in the last week as well, because Hockey Canada has lost nearly all of its major sponsors. We're talking Bauer, Tim Hortons, Canadian Tire, Scotiabank, TELUS, and, and, and the list goes on. What kind of impact did that loss of sponsors have on this situation? I think it was the critical component. If it if it had only been media criticism of the organization, they would have hung in there without any doubt. You know, they, they would have withstood the storm, the media storm. But it was when the, the sponsors started speaking and sort of making a statement by disassociating themselves with the organization. That's when people like Scott Smith had no choice and the, and the board had no choice because they were losing. I mean, sponsorships make up 40 percent of Hockey Canada's funding. So when they start walking out on you, you basically have no organization. And then on top of that, you had provincial hockey associations and provincial hockey organizations saying, we're not giving you any more hockey registration fees either. So their their entire source of funding started to dry up. And and those were the critical uh, developments in this story that led to the what we saw happen today. And I think that the, the overall message was, you do not want to be associated with an organization that conducts itself in this manner. And so I think it was like, you know, just for the sake of their own brands and 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 what this said about them being associated with Hockey Canada, I think a lot of them just said, we, we have to end that association until the actors that are involved in this, you know, from Hockey Canada's perspective are gone and there's a change in leadership and hopefully uh, a change in the culture in inside that organization. Hmm. I'm, I'm glad you started talking a little bit about the, I guess, the, the culture that's at play here, because I think because there's been this ongoing testimony at uh, a parliamentary committee at the, the, at the federal parliamentary level, uh, and this testimony started up again last week. What have we heard here and what have we learned about the inner workings of Hockey Canada during those hearings? Well, I think uh, I think what we really learned what's is that it was a very secretive, very non-transparent organization. Um, you know, the fact that these funds existed, they've only came they only came to light um, because of court cases and reporters reading documents and, and transcripts from court cases. Um, so it, it's a very, very secretive organization. And I think the, the Heritage Committee hearings 
have really helped shine a light on how this organization has operated for years. And I think it needs to be said, you know, Scott Smith, the, the CEO who just stepped down today, um, he's the current CEO. But there were there were CEOs that that came before him that that were just just as responsible for you know the behavior that we've seen inside this organization. They they oversaw these um, these slush funds as well. You know, there's a lot of people that deserve criticism here. I mean, Scott Smith's in the hot seat right now, and rightly so. But there's some people that deserve a lot of criticism criticism that that you know were in those positions before before he took over. We'll be back in a moment. I know you've been paying attention to the the recent hearings, Gary. I guess is there is there any particular moment moments in the recent hearings that that stand out to you as is kind of really emblematic of 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 what's going on? I think it has to be Andrea Skinner's uh, testimony. I guess it was last week, uh, the interim chair uh, when she went in there and. Uh, basically was defiant and and sort of non-apologetic for what Hockey Canada has been doing. And she basically dug in and, and said it wasn't a Hockey Canada problem. It was a, a societal problem. And reprehensible, suggesting that toxic behavior is somehow a specific hockey problem or to scapegoat hockey as a centerpiece for toxic culture is in my opinion, counterproductive to finding solutions and risks overlooking the change that needs to be made more broadly to prevent and address. She said (laughs) when someone asked her what letter grade she would give Scott Smith, she said, well, she was a hard marker, but she'd give him an A. And I think everybody was like, holy smokes. But, you know, Mm -hmm. I I think the one thing that she did say that I, I would have to kind of agree with her and, and that is, this is not simply a Hockey Canada problem. I mean, Hockey Canada kind of personifies the problem, but there is a almost a toxic masculinity problem inside, uh, certainly junior hockey in Canada. And that problem, which is basically these kids, you know, going to small towns across the country and they're they're like fetid like young gods and uh, and and they come to believe that they can expect anything that they want including young women um i mean that problem is not going to go away with the uh, you know a, a new board and a new ceo i mean it, it's just not it's it's a very ingrained part of hockey culture in in this country it's been written about for years and nothing has really been done about it I have to say there's something a little, I, I don't know if it's ironic or what, but you're saying the, you know, the leadership at Hockey Canada is not particularly diverse. And the fact that uh, they have one of the few women at the top, Andrea Skinner, who is out there in the, um, giving testimony there, uh, it, it, there's just something a little bit, I don't, I don't know if you, if you read into that at all, so an, an irony there, Gary, but there's just something a little, maybe a little strange about the fact that they put the, the woman out front there to defend that. It, yeah, it, it, <laughs> I think that's a good point. Here's the other thing. I mean, they hired one of the, the, the biggest, most expensive uh, public relations firms in the country, Navigator, that was, you know, a- allegedly going to help them kind of navigate their way through this 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 controversy. And the messaging of Andrea Skinner's messaging at that committee hearing couldn't have been worse. It couldn't have come across as more toned out. And part of me felt sorry for her. I mean, uh, you know, because... I, I think it was 
It was an agreed upon messaging from the entire board and the entire organization. And unfortunately, she had to be the one that got out front of it and and delivered it. And she just paid a horrible price for it. There have, of course, been been other incidents of, of sexual assault in, in Canadian hockey before. Why is it that 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 this this scandal and and this situation is resonating with people and with with sponsors so strongly? You know that that's a very good question. I mean, I, I just think the times have changed, and and it's just uh, if this scandal breaks in the nineteen eighties or the nineteen nineties, does do all these sponsors run away from Hockey Canada? I have my doubts. I really do. Maybe even in the early 2000s. I, I, I think that this is this is only something that could have happened in the times that we live in now. Like, really, I, 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 I think, you know, it's just something has happened around this issue, around, you know, cases of sexual assault now that, you know, society as a whole just finds the idea so repugnant that you don't want to be anywhere near you don't want to be anywhere near this issue or seem to be on the side of the perpetrators. And and in a, in a sense, I think that is what we're looking at here. I think that that's kind of what happened. Hockey Canada was seen to be on the side of the the players who were alleged to have done the, these horrible things. They covered for them. They they paid their liabilities. I mean, they said, "Don't worry about it, boys. We'll take care of this." In a way, in a quietly. They did just that. And and so when you think about that, society is just not, they're not prepared to uh, accept that anymore. How likely do you think it is that, that a new board and a new CEO will, will actually create change within Hockey Canada? Um, I, I think there's going to be enormous pressure on this new board and this new CEO. So now that these people are gone, do the sponsors rush right back and start supporting Hockey Canada? I don't believe that that's going to happen. I think I think these sponsors are going to wait to see what happens. Who who constitutes the new board? Do 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 people have faith in these new individuals that are going to be recruited to 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 take over an organization that is very very badly damaged reputationally? So I think that it's really critical that they get this right. This new board has to be a board, uh, it has to be constituted, it has to be comprised of people that will give Canadians faith that they're gonna actually institute you know, real change. And they'll go out and find a real change maker for the CEO's position. So I, I think right now we're kind of, it's kind of wait and see, but there's some big, big decisions ahead for, uh, you know, for Hockey Canada. And it starts with who this new board is. Hmm. I wonder what this means for for kids playing hockey across Canada. Um, Andrea Skinner, at one point during her testimony, she said she wasn't sure the lights would stay on in the arena if there was a, a max, mass exodus at the, the, the leadership level of the organization. What what do you think this all means for, you know, people just trying to play hockey, got their kids in hockey, just, you know, the regular the regular games and practice schedules? What impact will it have? Um, I don't think it'll have any impact at all on little kids playing the game. I mean, they're probably blissfully, most of them are blissfully unaware of this uh, controversy. Um, I think their parents might have, you know, m- more to say about this. I mean, I-, I think there's a lot of parents, there's been a lot of discussion at, you know, at the hockey rink in the stands among parents about the whole thing. I think there are a lot of parents very, very upset about about what Hockey Canada was doing. But 
more than that, that the idea that their that, that their registration fees were being used in any way to kind of uh, buttress and support this kind of behavior and these in these kind of decisions, I think parents were angry and rightfully so. So now that this change is happening at the top of the organization, how likely do you think that this will impact hockey culture itself in Canada? Will we actually see meaningful change in in, in hockey culture? Not tomorrow, we won't. Not, you know, next year. But I, I, I think we're going to start seeing it because I think people, sports organization, hockey organizations in the country, junior hockey in this country, they will have witnessed what has just taken place and they will have witnessed the wrath of the sponsors over, uh, you know, what was discovered, what was revealed about Hockey Canada. And they'll know, like, unless they change, you know, the culture that they're responsible for, say, you know, say with a junior hockey team, a junior hockey team in Saskatoon, you know, if I was if I was the owner of a junior hockey team in Saskatoon right now, I'd be making, you know, uh, sexual awareness, you know, that, that you know, uh, a big part, a big component of a, a young hockey player's education, you know, in, in that town. And, and not just like during their rookie year, but every year there needs to be a massive education campaign that takes place that that tells junior hockey players, you know, this is not acceptable, never has been, nor will it ever be. And your career could be over if you go anywhere near this type of behavior that has existed for too long inside, you know, towns and cities across this country. So I think that that, you know, that's not just Hockey Canada's responsibility. I think that they need a bigger need to play a bigger role in it. But, you know, I think it's got to happen inside junior hockey dressing rooms and, you know, ownership and all that sort of stuff. There's all sorts of levels of, you know, of responsibility when it comes to this issue. So Hockey Canada didn't solve its problem today. It won't solve it when there's a new board in place or a CEO, but it could happen if that new board and that new CEO makes this area more broadly uh, a a priority. And, uh, you know, education, they make education around this issue a a priority. So, but that's not going to happen this year. It's not going to happen next year. It's going to happen over a, a number of years, over the next few years, hopefully. Gary, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Oh, it was my pleasure. I've always wanted to do the show. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.